This is the Wes and Walker Show. This is Wes. I mean, seriously, I this happened 20 seconds ago, and then Wes just decides in the distance to give us this kind of show cry to start off. It's Wes. Oh, let's go, baby. Let's get me going. Come on. And Walker. Out of nowhere. I mean, I look like a pansy, to be honest with you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Then he said, that scared me. I said that scared the he bleep says, out of yeah. me. I he look- said the same thing. Tuesday, the day after Monday. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio, 927 WFC. You got to emphasize that, you know, because a lot of people hate Mondays. So, you know, I'm just trying to give them a little bit of positivity, Mm -hmm. a little little fact, a little nugget for them to say, hey, it's not Monday anymore. You got to remember, I'm a guy that hates Tuesdays. To me, this is the worst day of the week. So then maybe tomorrow you could just clear everything up for everyone and say two days after Monday, two days one day after Tuesday, and yeah. two days away from Friday. If you don't <laughs> mind just clearing everything up. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. I'll make sure to do that. Uh, we've been talking about the Ticks having great topics, talking about great video game teams. And uh, Hornets Andy hit me with the game day. Terrell Davis on game day 98-99. He said, turn off the injuries. Uh, and then I responded to it. And he said, so many controllers broken. I can... Uh, relate to that as well but game day was fire and that was back in the day when Madden had to come with the heat because of all the competition out there and I think it was the worst thing and I'm gonna get like 50 and talking absolutes it was the worst thing for the video game industry ever when Madden got that exclusive contract with EA Sports man because now they just put out dog crap and um damn no competition yeah they're terrible man you can watch, <laughs> i watch a lot of videos i watch a lot of videos about madden and how bad it is now i do like to watch the tournaments just for the competition yeah. aspect but as far as just the quality of the game no man back when they had competition they had to come with fire so. yeah let's let's uh go to some of the other text messages the question was your favorite niche niche i don't know what i, I it varies wherever i want to roll with Teams in video game history that you would roll with. 980 said the 04 Pistons team on NBA Live. See, they won the championship that year, but you didn't know they were going to win. So I hear you on that. That was still a lot of fun to play when you were playing with that squad. Yeah. 980 said the Miami Heat 1995 NBA Live team. Yeah. So, man, that would have been like, that would have been Glenn Rice right before I think it was Ronnie Cycli and all those guys. Yeah, Glenn been, Rice and them. It had been, it, you know, how like it'll be 95 mm-hmm. and it's the 94 squad. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was right before Glenn Rice. Um, so that would have been uh, a tough call there. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Sean the Tar Heel fan, 92, 93 Hornets in 2K. So you have that one as well. Would the well. Houston Rockets count on NBA Live 95? Because they were the champions at that time. But still, that's not a team that a lot of people look to as one of the greats. But they were so nasty with the oh, yeah. and uh, Oh, and the Bucks with the big three. One of the first real big threes with Big Dog. Uh, Ray Allen and Cassell, they okay. were a, a good little squad. Ben Baker. Yeah, the problem with that team is they're the team that knocked out the Hornets and oh, the furthest yeah. point they ever got to the postseason. <laughs> so it was tough to see. Last one, though, the, the point you're making, is it random enough, right? Like, is it just going enough to yeah. the favorite championship team? But I think that case can be made for the 03 Panthers. My brother, 
who grew up in Indianapolis, didn't really have any affiliation with the Panthers, loved playing with the Panthers, though, because they had Steven Davis. Remember, this is before they would win the Super Bowl, right? So it had mm-hmm. been that season, but loved playing with Steven Davis. You had Steve Smith. You had Moose on the outside. Yeah. So those were some good – they were a fun football team to play with. And Jake DeLome wasn't a bad enough quarterback to just completely tank your offense, right? Like good yeah. enough to play with video game-wise. So that was a fun team to play with even before they got to the and Super I Bowl. And I guess some love to your Pacers, too. They were a fun team to play yeah. with back then with the Red. Reggie Miller, the Davis boys, Rick Smith. So uh, they have some good teams, too. But now it is time for the campus. Kona! All right, folks. Uh, a lot has been made of the South Carolina Gamecocks and the loss that they took to the Florida Gators, dropping them to 2-4. and four. They had the lead. They were up by 10, and then the Gators came storming back. South Carolina came into the game ranked 118th out of 130 FBS schools in total defense almost 40 more yards per game than last year and almost 100 yards more than Beamer's first year in 2021. They've got some tough games coming up. Opponents like Missouri, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Clemson still on the schedule and they are trying to become bowl eligible. But a lot of fans are online and when you look after the games, there's a lot of comparisons to Muschamp and all the flack he took and all the love that Shane Beamer gets. But now the record's pretty similar. Through their first 32 games, Shane Beamer was 17 or is 17 and 15. He has not beaten Missouri yet, who they will play on Saturday. Will Muschamp's first 32 games, he was 18 and 14 overall. Shane Beamer's 3 and 8 all-time versus ranked teams, and he is 10 and 4 coming off of losses. So the question is, the schedule's tough coming up. A 2 and 4 football team, bowl game looking probably not likely. And then also, like you said, with the comparison to Will Muschamp, do you think that Will's, I mean, uh, Frank Beamer's, Frank Beamer, Shane Beamer's seat is hot. And do you think the comparisons to Muschamp are fair? Could he be out or on his way out of Columbia? I don't think so this year. I think it's a little too early to panic about Shane Beamer or call for his job in question. He is coming off of an eight-win season last year. You provided yourself a cushion with those monster victories at the end of the season with Tennessee and with Clemson. There's no doubt about that. But as you say, they do have some tough opponents left on the schedule this upcoming weekend. They have Missouri on the road, 20th-ranked Tigers back now into the fold after they got back on track after winning. That's going to be a tough game. But if they beat Missouri, then you set yourself up pretty nicely. Texas A&M, lots of people calling them frauds right now. So if you beat Texas A&M, then you have Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt in back-to-back games. So could you go on a four-game winning streak to just get rid of the bowl eligibility question before you even have Kentucky and Clemson on the other side? I think it's too early. The Will Muschamp stuff reminds me a little bit of the Mac Brown and Larry Fedora questions. Because remember when we would go back and say, well, Mac Brown's record at the beginning of his tenure is very comparable to what Larry Fedora did. Yeah, but then Larry Fedora fell off a freaking cliff, okay? And that's what happened with Bill Muschamp, too. And so if we are going to put emphasis on what happened in the second half of their coaching tenures at each of these universities, I don't think we're in Will Muschamp territory right now. We still have a lot of football. These are winnable games. It doesn't mean that they're cake. But this is winnable. This is a winnable schedule, in my opinion, for South Carolina. So I say we reassess this at the end of the season. I know people got mad at him not taking accountability. 
I'm not here to take his job away from him right now. I'm, I'm, we can have this conversation at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting, too, I think he's okay for now. Two consecutive bowl games. He turned the program around from a 2-8 and eight campaign and much champs last year to 7-6 and six in his first year at the helm. As I've said, he's 1-1 one and one in bowl games, been to two bowl games. The 2-4 and four and 1-3 and three start in the SEC, I guess fans just expected more. Also, when you look at the fact of Spencer Rattler getting that caliber of quarterback at South Carolina has not been an easy task. And so once he's gone, I think that fans are definitely going to wonder uh, what that's going to look like if you can't land a quarterback the caliber of Spencer Rattler. Has a ginger wife also wrote in something Kyle brought up in the fishbowl when we were discussing this. Beamer is recruiting his ass off right now. So give it time if you're bringing in some talent and you wouldn't want to lose those recruits anyway. So it, yeah, I think it would have to be just a complete meltdown. I mean, just what, like a two and four record to finish out the year and then you're two wins shy of a bowl game? Yeah, and I think that would just be uh Cause to get up and turn the oven on. Yeah, well, 100%. No doubt about it. Yeah, all right. And so now when we look at the ACC for our weekly check-in there, and uh, yeah, the question is, could the second half of the ACC football season be pure chaos? Because right now you've got Florida State sitting there undefeated at 4-0 with some big matchups, starting with Duke coming to town this week. North Carolina's 3-0. Duke is 2-0. Louisville's 3-1. Georgia Tech's 2-1. Virginia Tech, we don't expect them to really get in the mix, but they're 2-1, and the Tigers of Clemson are 2-2. I mean, could this just down the stretch? You've got big matchups. All of these teams are going to play each other. We're looking at just one of the, the great finishes to a second half of ACC football because we remember people would always talk about the crazy coastal and how wild that would get. But it looks like the whole league this year is going to be wild coming down the stretches. There will be plenty of games to decide the fate of who will come to Charlotte to play in the ACC championship game. Well, and people are starting to put a little bit more respect on the ACC's name this year, as they should. Yes. I I know Louisville suffered a defeat this past weekend. That was a bad loss to Pittsburgh, who had been struggling mightily so this entire year. But you still have four teams in the top 25 right now. Florida State and North Carolina, there is a legitimate conversation about them competing in the college football playoff. Florida State's just an outright favorite at this point to reach a top four. North Carolina, I don't think it's too early to be having that thought process. Duke, you and I both still love Duke, even without Riley Leonard, because that defense is so for real. It's been so hard to score on them. And Louisville is a fun enough team to where, I don't, you know, maybe they could still get to the ACC championship game if they don't allow that loss to have them lose two games in a row. We like Georgia Tech. We think Virginia Tech's on the rise. They're not yeah. going to do anything this year. Georgia but, Tech could nick somebody yeah. down the stretch, and I think that they will. Yeah, and in, NC State's not going to be a walkover. So, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the ACC is going to be a lot of fun in the second half. The first half lived up to the hype. We talked about this conference ending in a better place than where they started, and here they are in the first half of the season, starting in a pretty good place. Really like the football that we've gotten this year. I was excited as hell for it. It's delivered. You got two ACC teams in the mix for the ultimate achievement. Yeah, man, there's some real chaos that absolutely. Yeah, and I and the thing that brought about that question was just the pure shock of Pittsburgh knocking off yeah. Louisville on Saturday. Nobody saw that coming, and I think that's just the beginning of what we're going to see down the stretch. Joshua Marlowe, what do you think about the ACC and the finish that could be had? I, I, I think you got a chance to have a de facto playoff game in Charlotte uh, with Florida State and whoever 
emerges. I think North Carolina is starting to become that, that clear number two team. I think it's funny that in uh, offseason, that conference realignment dominated. And the Pac-12 got, you know, it came apart. It, look at the season they're having. We're all worried about the future of the ACC as a football conference. This was the type of year the ACC needed to have if it wants to have a staying power as a power conference in college sports. And so I think that's fun to watch because you've got you've got legitimately seven to eight really, really good football teams. And we haven't said that since the mid-2010s, maybe? That's an excellent point. The reason I w- I'm glad that you brought that up, though, you're right. The ACC overall has been a good football conference. But the teams that want to move from the ACC are also still the best teams in the ACC. So that actually probably hurts the ACC when you have Florida State finally contributing to some good play here. We don't, they don't have to rely on the, hey, do you remember when Jameis Winston won the championship? We deserve more thing anymore. They actually have a good squad being top four. And North Carolina, they sent out the email to everybody when they caught wind of NC State changing their mind, accepting Stanford and Cal, and they put out the warning shot. We don't think it'd be a very good idea. I've gone to this comparison a couple times. It's the dude hanging out behind the free throw line with Jalen Rose back up in Michigan saying, you might want to miss this free throw. Carolina sends the email out with their hands in their shirt pocket saying, you might not want to accept Stanford in California. (laughs) And yet they did it anyway. And now here's North Carolina with the possibility of having their best football season of all time. And even before this season, they still don't want those teams. So, yeah, it's an excellent point he brings up because now it's like, yeah, the ACC overall, good football conference this year. But Florida State and North Carolina contributing in bigger ways than they had the last five years or so. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And so, as I said, there are going to be plenty of games that are going to decide the fate of this conference coming down the stretch. Can't wait for them uh, starting this weekend. It's getting real serious in ACC country. But when we come back, we're going to hear sound from Frank Reich and Bryce Young talking about the play calling change. That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. going over doomsday scenarios right now with a bunch of Carolina fans in this studio. Flounder came in to say what's up, show off his new kicks. Yes, the same kicks that Fiddy talked about getting week <laughs> after week. Oh, yeah, I'll holler at him. Yeah, yeah, I'll see what y'all are talking about. No, for sure. Just send me the link, man. Yeah, it'll be all good. I'll pull the trigger. <laughs> and then Flounder did it out of nowhere. And he's looking clean, Fiddy. What you got to say for yourself? Mine are in the mail, so y'all can just like uh, now. Yeah. Ain't no way I believe it. Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. Look, here's the thing. And, like, I, Flounder's my best friend. I love him to death. Insult. But being one up by him is just not on the table. Like, we're best friends. We're also competitors. So once I knew that the Flounder dog had got him, I had to go uh, do some things I'm not proud of to get some extra money. What a weird statement. <laughs> He's getting them delivered by IPS. You heard of them? Uh, Doug Heffernan, International Parcel Service. Yeah, this is the imaginary parcel okay. service. All right. Why would I lie? You know what? Oh, God, <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm so stupid. And here's why. Because I actually believe you. You might have found an argument for me to believe you. Because I, I would believe that way of thinking from you. That you want to outcompete Flounder so badly that once you know he's going to get the shoes, that that would be the thing to make you go ahead and purchase those things. Yeah. 
I don't. I I can't. But you got me thinking a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So when will they be here? I think they're supposed to be here over the weekend. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying. I think he's lying to me. I think you're lying to Why me. Why would I lie? Well, because this Where'd is what you get you them do? from. You got them from StockX. Mm-hmm. What'd you pay? <laughs> No, that's it. You, we yeah. had this combo last a little too long. Yeah. He had a good mm-hmm. foundation, but then it starts to crumble yeah. a little bit as mm-hmm. we roll on. It was it was a good attempt though at the beginning. It you was. really don't believe me? No, I don't. Well, shame on you. I honestly don't. Wes, do you believe him? Uh, no. Now you got you're questioning a little bit though. I can see it. Uh, as, I mean a little bit, but I just feel like if he would have ordered them, he would have definitely made it a point. All of the insults I've hurled his way. Yeah. Right, I we we said when you when you get when you getting them uh, over the weekend. <laughs> Where'd you get them? StockX. Well, I mean, yep. look. They said, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I don't track the stuff that I order like that. When I bought my first pair of Jordans from StockX, it took me like two weeks to get them. I ordered them last week, so I would imagine they'll get here over the weekend. Oh uh, yeah, they do take a while because they have to verify them and stuff like that. That's the only knock about StockX is that they take a while to get to you. Fiddy is going to go to the app right now, order them. Right. Actually pay for expedited shipping. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's going to say, see, I told you all along. Cost what do him, you guys do? Don't believe me. Cost himself more money. Yeah, he would do that. Yeah, he, he would. He, he would try to make the point that he doesn't have enough money, and then just to prove us wrong, would spend more money right. so the shoes get here faster. Right, yeah. That's the kind of degenerate you are. <laughs> and then I have to go some do you know do some things I'm not proud of to make money. Yeah, I know you, there you go again. We repeated it. We looked that, over huh? it. We looked over it. We heard it. you. Okay, I got you. Should we talk about the defense on Second Take Tuesday? <laughs> we should. All right. And, and the Bryce Young and Frank Reich sound. All right. Let, let's do that. Let's let's go over the defensive Second Take Tuesday slate just real quickly. Um, I don't know if you felt this way, Wes. It felt like Mike McDaniel was calling a different sport. And this wasn't even a bad play calling day, in my opinion, from Frank Reich for the most part. I know some people wanted him to run the football a little more. You're talking about an explosive offense with Miami. I really didn't have any problems with play calling, right? Not a lot. Mike McDaniel is putting together plays that our staff hasn't even thought of. And I guess we'll see with Thomas Brown. Well, how? Fu- All right, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent here. Hmm. But how funny would it be if Thomas Brown actually had some of these plays in the bag and then withheld them from Frank Reich to get this job? Yeah. Nope, you can't have no. These are my answers. And then he turns <laughs> it over when Frank Reich looks over to cheat on the test. He says, "Nope, you don't get these plays." That would be hilarious. One of the defensive plays I wanted to go with, though, just watching what Miami's able to do. I, it was a bad pass from Tua, but Wes, I am here to tell you. That on that second drive of the game, I believe, for Miami, when it's third and one at their own 34, if Tua completes the backwards pass to Raheem Mostert, he's got a one-way ticket to Tutty Town. Raheem Mostert is scoring, and I don't think there's anybody stopping him from the first down or actually getting into the end zone, except it was just an awful pass. Panthers get lucky. They capitalize, and they make it 14 to nothing. I, I, I heard Smoke. He thought it was an awful play, and I get it. You're one yard out. You should just be able to run it up the middle and pick up that first down. But if Tua completes it, 
if he just doesn't airmail it, then it's a touchdown, maybe. So I just thought that play was lucky for the defense. Not anything they did. They just got lucky because Tua had an awful pass. Yeah, and I mean, that's the risk you run sometimes when you run those plays. And I did think it was a little cutesy for him to do that. I was just like, man, just sneak the dog on thing. But, uh, yeah, as far as just play design and something that you're not used to seeing, that's the thing that's the most jarring about it. I've never seen that before. I'd welcome uh, it any day of the week. <laughs> I've never watched it before uh, or seen that play before watching football. But, yeah, I'm definitely a proponent of short yardage. I'm definitely the guy on man that hands it to the fullback or I sneak it. Mm-hmm. And so I did think he got a little bit too cute there because when those plays backfire, those are the plays that will really give you uh, some tough criticism. That That's fine. I hear you. <laughs> I bleep and loved it, man. By yeah. the way, I know you said you liked it. Fitty, that was the line. One way ticket to Tutty Town. <laughs> dude, I like that, though. <laughs> it's so stupid. I told Fitty that I had a line I was going to drop today. That was pretty reason. good. I yeah. liked it. It's so stupid. I'm here for it. All right. Tutty Town to Wes. What you got for me defensively? Uh, just when you look at it, second quarter, 820, first and 10. Uh, Brian Burns, he got kicked out by the tight end. Not much physicality there on his part. And then Mostert just goes for 40-plus on that run. Multiple tackles missed on that play. And that's just kind of been a running theme with this Carolina defense. Not the best tackling group that you will see. They missed 18 tackles in this game, uh, to be exact. And Mostert just ran through tackle after tackle. Mostert uh, was amazing in this game. Yeah, Frankie Louvu was one of the guys that, that missed tackles on that play, man. But just that defense, that's been one of their issues this season. It's just securing tackles. Mostert took advantage of that and broke out for a big run. I thought Mostert was exceptional. I thought he broke a million tackles. Yeah, a lot of that is the problem of the Panthers, but also, I don't care if he's over 30. I know there's a little bit of saltiness from you with the injury history, and I get that. Not saltiness, but you get the idea. That dude is a good, very, very good player, is Raheem Mostert, and he showed it against Carolina. Yeah. You're not really feeling it. No. We move on. Let's go to a couple <laughs> of the other play callers from Mike McDaniel. Um, Two plays in particular. Josh Norris put this out there on his Twitter account. The pass to Raheem Mostert, where they put the tight end in motion to be the lead blocker. Josh pointed out that there was a 98% chance, according to advanced stats and analytics, that he was going to score on that play from 10 yards out. When you're 10 yards out, you shouldn't have a walk-in touchdown like that. But putting Smythe in motion to be the lead blocker? Man, so now you're trying to pick up a route coming out of the backfield. But they don't know who to pick up. So it's like, all right, I'll pick up Smythe. But now he's blocking me, and the pass is going to Mostert, and I can't get to him. So it's just an easy old touchdown. I thought that was a great play. And this one was just weird, man. First and 10 from the Carolina 31 early in the second quarter. Tua gets gets the snap while Salvan Ahmed is in motion. Tua catches the snap midair and twists. Like, what kind of wizardry are you on, Mike? <laughs> Why are you catching the snap in midair? This is like a shot and horse when you're playing against your best friend in the driveway. Just making stuff up. Catches it. Twist around. After they snap it, now you can send another man in motion. That's when Tyreek Hill hits the gas and then comes across Tua. Tua passes it while he's still twisting. And then Tyreek Hill picks up a first down like cake. I just, you're talking about different plays, man. Ben Johnson and Mike McDaniel will put that defense in the spin cycle back-to-back weeks, and that's why they're allowing 40 points a clip the last two weekends. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that that doesn't happen even with Houston playing as well as they are. Yeah, the thing is, too, you marveled at the rate in which they were able to get the ball out, man. It's like even with all that play action and some of those plays you would think would be uh, long as far as developing, 
but then they just get the ball out so fast, man. And I think that's where the speed of this offense really kicks in because guys are getting open so quickly that Tua can get that thing out. I'll give him a little bit of credit. I mean, Troy Hill's pick six uh, at the end of that game, was it was a little cheapy, but, you know, he got it nonetheless. And this Panthers <laughs> defense, uh, Troy, Hill, Troy Hill had a game. He had he was the highest-graded Panther pretty much overall. He had a 91 grade uh, from PFF, and then he got that pick six. But uh, going back to the play that I talked to you about, 17 to go, second and goal, Dante Jackson with all of the speed that he has, takes an awful angle on Tua. And then once Tua gets by him, it's so difficult for him to catch up to him to bother him because the play resulted in a touchdown. He threw uh, the pass right into the end zone, and it was just a disappointing play. And I just didn't understand why. For one, I don't know why DB sometimes when they come in on blitzes off the edge, you just come in full speed. You know that the quarterback has a potential to move to be able to shake you and come out of the back door so you need to break down just a little bit to be ready for that and he just came in there just uh just flying and Tua got by him and it was just a terrible angle and then it ended up in a touchdown and the angle's awful yeah. it's like Dante it's like that that speed is just going one direction and you're you're not making a play right. if, you, if you miss <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> just awful angle and you're right to uh throwing it across his body to the back of the end zone it was an impressive play from him but you would hope that dante would just be able to get home on that cornerback blitz that'll do it for second take tuesday the defensive edition i did want to move on and get to some frank reich sound we heard from him yesterday we also had thomas brown speaking at the podium we can get to some comments a little bit later on there as well so here's frank reich discussing the move to give play calling responsibilities to Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator. And Wes, I don't know if you believe him, but here he is telling you that he would have made this decision even if they weren't 0-6. I believe I would have. I really do. Um, I, you know, I go back to the interview process with Mr. Tepper when he asked me what my what, what would be the intentions. And, um, and I, we talked through all the different scenarios depending on who the coordinators were and then depending on who I eventually hired. And so when I hired Thomas... Um, I, I knew it was going to probably happen fast, but we needed, I needed to get in season. I, I needed to get in season and, and see it all play out. And um, I'd like to think I'd make this. I, I'd like to think this is the best decision, no matter what what our record is. I can't buy it. No way I buy that. Honestly, if the Panthers are somehow even three and three, we would have taken that as Panthers fans. I think at the beginning of the season, with our hope certainly being better than an 0-6 start to the season, I think we would have taken 3-3 three and three and ran with it if that was offered. So if you go even 500, Wes, then why would you change something that's working with this team? Correct. You're actually talking about a potentially dumb move. <laughs> why would you hand off play-calling duties if you were playing well? It's like, well, it's working too well. We got to switch something up. <laughs> I can't buy it. I can't imagine you do it. Not at all. I mean, <laughs> you talk about the old phrase, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Obviously, it's broken because it's 0-6. And so when you talk about this Frank Reich, the pride that he has as a coach, the offensive background that he has, I mean, that was the reason that they hired him. They wanted an offensive coach. At least that's what you told us as far as why or one of the reasons why they did not keep Steve Wilkes. They wanted to go in the direction of an offensive coach. And so you were brought in to do so. And then for you to give up those play calling duties, to me, there's no way you wanted to do this on your own volition. 
he did this because out of necessity, as many people have speculated, that David Tepper more than likely told him to do this move or uh, Frank Wright told him that he wanted to do it and Tepper just encouraged him to do so. That's right. But nobody's going to sit here and think that you decided after six games that you're going to just give up the play calling duty. That's big cap. All right, so let's play a game. Let's play an impromptu game, shall we? Cap or no cap? No, I don't want to play anything. I can't watch Saw. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> you talk about a franchise that I hate more than any. Wow. We'll talk about that during the break. Yeah, man. I have some... When Saw 3 came out, Yeah, I was at a buddy for his birthday. I was at a sleepover for a birthday party. You know, we did the whole we're staying up thing, right? Yeah. You know, watching scary movies. I watched the back of one of my friend's heads who was in front of me so I wouldn't have to see the footage on the screen of Saw 3. <laughs> you talk about somebody that does not mess with that franchise... Raise my hand high right here. All right. All right. Let's play cap or no cap. We both go with cap on the first comment. Yes. What about this one? This soundbite with Frank Reich telling you that it was 100% his call to make this decision with Thomas Brown. No, this is something, you know, as I said, we've talked about this periodically as we've gone. um, But this was 100% my decision um, from start to finish. But has he been involved in discussion? Yeah, I talked to him about you know, all the things related to this team and how things play out um, in our weekly discussions. Uh, and as I said before, those, those are great discussions. I'm going with a double down on my cap. I'm going to guess David Tepper. I know he was listening. I know what Frank Reich is telling us. And I like Frank Reich, the guy, by the way. Okay. Like I, I really do. But as far as him trying to tell me that David Tepper didn't have an influence on this decision, can't buy it, double down and on cap. Yeah, I'm going to go with a new era, ball cap, okay, when we're talking about this. Because, again, like you said, just a guy that's won a Super Bowl, a guy that has offensive pedigree, a guy that's played quarterback in the NFL, you can't tell me that him just giving something up because he doesn't think that it's working. That goes against the whole spirit of being a competitor. Frank Reich, we know, is a competitor. He was in the NFL. He's been a coach, so you know that competition runs through his veins so for him to be able to give up duties and say to a guy you can do this better than i can with the experience and pedigree that he has no i'm not buying it for a second either all right last one here the last frank reich soundbite i wanted to play cap or no cap here he is discussing if bryce will benefit from this move in the short term and the long term absolutely i mean you know listen thomas has made it to this and um you know he is he is has a great football mind. He has the strongest leadership qualities that you could ask for in a coach. Um, and so I'm I can't emphasize how excited I am for Thomas. Um, this is just the next step. You know he's a, he's a he's a young he's young relatively speaking young age wise not young in the coaching profession. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a reason why at his age he has ascended to this position so quickly because you just get around him for five minutes and you know. You can feel it from him. I'll go no cap here. I think he genuinely believes what he's talking about with Thomas Brown. And even if Frank Reich talked about how he hired some guys he was familiar with, Thomas Brown was not one of those guys. And he talked about that at the beginning of this process with all of the staff members that he put on board. But it's easy to see how impressive Thomas Brown is. Again, okay, so what don't you like? All right, so we go with the young, innovative mind. All right, so at least on the surface, he checks that off. Okay, he comes from the Rams organization, from the guy that led to this wave of young, bright offensive minds with Sean McVay. So you check that box off. 
the dude is really impressive to hear talk just about leadership qualities. We we'll, we got some sound bites a little bit later. We can play them tomorrow as well from Thomas Brown. I believe what Frank Reich is saying here. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that's the reason they brought him on the staff. And so uh, Thomas Brown, he's going to get to show all of that. And they talked about uh, over and over again how collaborative the efforts are that they put together offensively. And so now is his time to shine. And I think that Frank Reich does uh, believe in him or he wouldn't have had him around in the first place. Yeah. And, and just as far as it being better in the short term and the long term, I believe that he believes that. And we're going to see. I changing too many things early on in a QB's career, it's always going to leave me with an eyebrow raise. Like, are we sure? Because I like stability. Who doesn't? For a young QB coming in here, and now you're already changing play callers. The good news is, it's not like you're going outside of the organization to find someone. Thomas Brown called plays in the second half of these preseason games. I think that matters. Thomas Brown, apparently, too, he talked about how in the interview process, he said Bryce Young would be his number one QB. That's what Thomas Brown said. I like an OC, a play caller, that comes in with the QB that he wanted out of the draft, too. So those are some pros as we were looking at the pros and cons list. Fitty, do you have the capacity to give us a Fitty Flash right now? Because (laughs) you're dealing with something over there behind the ones and twos. Yeah, no, I'm good. All right, let's do it. Fitty Flash. I apologize for what's to come. just say the taco bells having a hard time going down although it was tremendous Did as you get the always. diablo sauce no okay. i just uh i got like a piece that i just didn't you know swallow all the way down and just keep going buddy keep going come on you know it's uh it's coming back up um you were talking about this in the fishbowl uh with uh with kb we're not going to reference some of the comments made by zach Lowe about the charlotte Hornets, but he did rank his uh League pass teams. Yes. And this is, you know, a team that under James Borrega oh featured in the top 10 very routinely. They were a, no, that's so- you know, they were a, a, <laughs> one of the more true. fun teams to watch. <laughs> I remember watching NBA uh, TV talking about how this is the most fun team mm-hmm. to watch in the NBA. They check in number 21 this year on the list. He's a big fan of the alternate courts that the Hornets will have this yep. year, the Mint City Court, and then there's the there's the City Edition, yeah. Yeah, the State City Mint Edition. City Edition, it all gets lost. You know, they, they they both look pretty fire, but 21 feels uh feels kinda low with a team that's got the talent that the Hornets uh possess in your opinion. I actually recorded a Locked On Hornets podcast to be released tomorrow, and I was surprised to see them as high as twenty one. Really? Wow. The reason why is because if you look at these past league pass rankings for Zach Lowe, he did have them in the top 10 when the first wave hit with LaMelo running the show with Miles and LaMelo running a fantastic two-man game. But after that, there was such disappointment that they've actually been ranked lower than this. The futures rankings from Bobby Marks coming in lower. So I was actually happy to see them above some teams like Portland, which is a fun young team. Miami, who got to the finals last year to beat 21. Honestly, I was surprised that they I understand it. I was just surprised given where they've ranked in the past. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. And I'm not just saying that because yeah. we're in Charlotte. I mean, Miles is back. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But as far as just the highlights that they made together, aside from everything else, 
Brandon Miller, we've already seen some of the things that he can do as well that have been lighting up uh, Twitter timelines and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think they'll be fun to watch. Mellow, Mark, and Brandon Miller. It seems like we got a three-man foundation for the future. Yeah. Young guys, that, that should be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, let's welcome Willie P. to the program on the other side of the break. It's coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. And just like that, folks, we are back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is the Wesson Walker Show. And uh, one of the most popular times of the week when we bring on one of our favorite guests, depending on if he feels like dealing with us or coming in mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. But we love to have him on. Willie P. You can add anything uh, to the P that you want, but we like uh, what, what is it this week? <laughs> it's playoff P this week. Playoff baby. P Move this over, week. Paul, you can George. follow him on Twitter at Willie P. Style. Willie, what's shaking and baking? What's going on, guys? How are we? We're doing pretty good, man. And so uh, I know you must be gassed up with Charlotte FC. The playoffs come down to a series this week against Miami in Fort Lauderdale. And PlayoffStatus.com gives Charlotte FC a 68% chance to make the show. So how excited are you about that? And uh, do you think that they'll be able to pull it off? Gassed, Riz, jacked up, all the... uh all the superlatives uh, when it comes to how important this week is uh, for Charlotte FC, just based on the fact that they still do control their own destiny uh, going into a game tomorrow night against Inter-Miami and then Saturday against the same opponent. And they've basically come out and said, and again, we'll see how much their head coach follows through on this, but this is basically like preseason for them. They want to try to evaluate some of their younger players on their roster uh, not sure whether or not some of the uh, higher-end players are going to feature in either of these two contests. They are down significant numbers from guys who will not be with them anyway on Wednesday because of international duty, and that includes uh, Lionel Messi, Joseph Martinez, and a couple of other prominent players. We'll see how they look tomorrow night, but I think the biggest thing from Charlotte's perspective is that you had to control the controllables. This is a situation that with all the outside distractions of playoffs and Having, again, you know, the possibility of seeing Messi on Saturday, all the different things that could potentially uh, come into play, you got to focus on yourself, focus on your game, because right now uh, their job is to try and bring a playoff berth to the city of Charlotte. And uh, while they can do that with a win and a draw and some help, uh, the clearest and cleanest path for them is to get two outright wins on Wednesday and Saturday. What's the number one thing that they need to do? And maybe it's something you haven't seen enough this year, but the – most key thing that you feel like they need to do to be able to secure that spot? Well, the biggest thing is is play the same kind of defense they've played in the last couple. Uh, Christian Kalina has probably played two of his best games this season, and the back four in front of them has uh, definitely stepped up to the plate as well from that aspect. Uh, you've seen real great ability to clear the ball and, and not make uh, errors that have been unfortunately reminiscent of where this season's been from Charlotte's perspective. So, that's been great. Uh, they're going to have to do it with a different back line uh, than they've had in the last couple because of Yara Oranen being out because of international duty for themselves. So more than likely, we'll probably see Jalen Lindsay back in the lineup for Charlotte uh, with Nathan Byrne going on the left side. So that adds a little different wrinkle. And I think the biggest question going into tomorrow is just how much we see of Carol Svidersky. And I think Chris Latanzio in his comments today probably a bit intentionally vague in terms of whether or not he wants to use Carol or whether or not he uh, 
wants to maybe save him for Saturday. One thing that he did at least say was that it looks like he is going to travel with the team to, uh, to Miami on Wednesday. He didn't do anything on the field, it sounds like, uh, today. It was part of the video session, but uh, it does seem like they're trying to at least keep him off his feet after he played 90 minutes Sunday and scored his 10th international goal for Poland in their uh, 1-1 draw against Moldova. So, at least in my mind, I feel like maybe they'll have to win this one without Carroll at least to start. Maybe they'll bring him on in the second half if they need a goal, but I think in this particular scenario right now, if you're Charlotte FC, you got to take the same kind of high-danger chances that you got created against both Toronto and Chicago and play that same kind of defense that they had in uh, a pair of clean sheets against those two squads, needing them when they needed them the most. It is the voice of Charlotte FC, Willie Playoff P on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And Willie, the club set to host a watch party for Wednesday's match at the bank as well. How can the people get involved and where can the people go for more information? So if you go on to Ticketmaster.com and the Charlotte FC uh, ticket portal there, uh, the tickets are free. Uh, according to what Joel Booth said this morning, he said uh, somewhere around seven, 8,000 have already responded, and there's still plenty of time. Uh, no cost to get in. Uh, basically, it's free admission. It's open to everybody. You don't have to have you know, a season ticket package or anything. It's open to the public. Uh, they'll open up the building. They're going to have the game on the big screen. I think we'll have some uh, people out there as well, getting uh, people hyped up. Uh, Sorbent is going to be out there as well. The concourse will be open. They'll sell food. They'll sell beverages. And the team store will be open as well. And uh, it's a real cool gesture from the club to, uh, to try and give people a place that they can centrally gather uh, with this very important match on the road tomorrow night. Well, and also, there's another event going on. The, uh, Charlotte FC unveiled a new performance park just last week. Can you speak on the importance of the park and what it means moving forward for this club? We got the tour uh, after we and I spoke uh, last week, guys, and I have to tell you, this was a, uh, a real great undertaking taken up by the folks at Pepper Sports to give Charlotte FC a central home, and something that uh, I think is something that's might be overlooked by a lot of people is that they're going to have every facet of their team under one roof. That includes the on-field staff, that includes the academy, that includes the reserve team, and also includes the business operation, too. So anybody, anybody who works for Charlotte FC is going to have the opportunity to be inside that building. And uh, they've already gotten some brave reviews on it from some people across uh, not only MLS, but also uh, in the world of soccer. They've uh, had some visitors in there, including one prominent former member of Manchester United, who used to be their head coach, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, was in town and uh, talked about that, and how world-class it is, and how that's the kind of thing that, very much like college football, we think about you know how much facilities can impact recruiting. Same thing can be said for uh, the world of soccer, and uh, it's definitely a building and an atmosphere that's going to attract uh, the best of the world to try and come play their soccer here in Uptown Charlotte. Awesome stuff going on with Charlotte FC, especially with this being the closing week. We'll see in their series against Miami if they can move on to the postseason. Now, of course, the last thing before we get you out of here, Willie. I heard the morning show talking about this. They were asking Joe Laboo about if he wanted to see Lionel Messi play or not. Because he is one of the best players of all time, maybe the GOAT, but that would also mean it would hurt Charlotte FC's chances of making the postseason. I ask you, the monster soccer fan that you are, the play-by-play announcer that you are, but also Charlotte FC fan that you are, do you want to see Messi suit up against Charlotte FC? Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I want whatever's going to get Charlotte into the playoffs. If Messi plays or not, I don't think it matters necessarily to me. Uh, obviously, you know, it maybe feels a little bit better if you beat Inter-Miami at their quote-unquote best if they have Messi available, but uh, if it's going to help Charlotte FC getting into the playoffs, you know, I'd, I'd just soon have him uh, stay on uh, on the tarmac there in Fort Lauderdale and uh, watch his boys <laughs> take off ahead of him. 
No doubt, Willie P., we will have our fingers crossed. We will be rooting for Charlotte FC to get to the postseason, man, because we want to see postseason P. I'm ready, guys. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right, no doubt, man. We'll see you next week on the Body Works Plus guest line. That was Will Pelagic, a.k.a. Willie P. You can follow him on Twitter at Willie P. Style. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, it's going to be time for the Live Wire on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.